Tonight, we want to start a new series entitled Boss. Now, if my daughter was here, she would tell you that daddy calls everyone boss. Because whenever I go somewhere to a gas station or wherever I say, I always say, how you doing, boss? Or what you doing, boss? Or something like that. I always use the word boss. All right? That's just, how, that's just a word that I use. Like, people use buddy, dread, whatever you want to say. I always just call people boss. But tonight, we're not talking about that type of boss. But let me ask you a question. How many of you have been bossed around? Anyone ever been bossed around in here? All right? Only a couple of people? Who are some of the people who boss you around? How many have been bossed around from your parents before? How many have been bossed around from your brother or sister? Someone put their hand down quick because they, you know. How many of y'all have been bossed around by your teachers? Okay, well, see in person, right? So see that works. How does it feel? And listen. Hello, raise your hand and I'll point to you, all right? How does it feel to get bossed around? Raise your hand. How, how does it feel to get bossed around? How does it feel? Bad, okay. Shameful, someone said. Make you feel bad? All right, anyone else? Degraded. Degraded, okay. How many of you, how many of you have ever wanted to scream, you're not the boss of me? All right? All right? When people are telling you what to do and you feel like they're bossing you around, your response probably is, I don't, you're not the boss of me. Well, you can't tell me what to do. In fact, especially if it's your brother or sister or someone like that, you would probably tell them, you're really not the boss of me. You can't tell me what to do. Mommy or daddy have to tell me what to do, you, and I'm not going to listen to you. I think that if we're all honest with ourselves, we've probably felt that at times. We felt that people were throwing their authority at us, and we feel like maybe they were putting us down. Someone said degraded. But as I could think of my life, and I think about just the whole, you know, being authority, you know, I would say that would probably happen more or less with me growing up with my brothers, even though I was a lot younger than them. I was about six years younger than my, no, eight years. Six and eight. Six and eight years different between my brothers. And I would always feel like, you know, my younger, my brother who was like right after me, he would try to take advantage of me. And I would feel like, you know, why is he doing this to me? But then my older brother, for some reason, he would come and take up for me and he would beat up my middle brother because he was there for me and that's just how it was because he was like, they were close in age, so he like, you ain't gonna beat up him, I can beat you up, and so that's how it would go. So I always felt like I had someone on my side. But I think that when we consider and we think of the, the boss over us, we need to recognize as we consider people that there's really only one boss, and that's God. Exodus 21 to 3 says this, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Let me ask a question. How many of you worship idols? Anyone worship idols in here? All right. We don't, we don't, we don't worship. How many of y'all ever worship a golden calf? Anyone ever worship a golden calf? How many of y'all worship um, like a trophy or something? Anyone ever worship that? 
No, but we have idols, right? What are some idols we have in our life? Fortnite, Fortnite right? Fortnite. I can't do the, you know, Fortnite. Huh? MBA? Material things, right? Yes. There are a lot of things that we, honestly, listen, an idol is not just something we bow down to. An idol is anything that takes the place of God. An idol is anything that we need to recognize as we consider, um, you know, anything we put before God. And some of those things that we may put before God is technology, our cell phones, our computers, social media, um, Fortnite, video games. The list goes on. These are things that we put before God. And I know some of us in this room, we may say we're super spiritual, and we say, no, I never do those things. I put God before everything in my life. I'm just this perfect person where God is always number one. And let's be honest, if I had to ask you to write down to me how you spend your time, I want to see where God would fit in that. I want to see if God would be the majority of that time. Or would God be a very small piece of time? Could I be honest with you in my life? If I consider, and I know that we, we would think of the big sins in our lives, but to me... I would say the biggest sin for me is not putting God first all the time, where I, don't, I should be thinking of God all, constantly. But do we do that? No. Because we get so caught up in things that the world will be distracted. What does the Bible say? In everything that we do, we should give God what? Glory, right? In everything we do, we should give God glory. He deserves glory in everything we do. If we're taking out the trash, we give God glory. If we wake up in the morning, we give God glory. We give God glory for everything. We give everything as a gift from Him. And sometimes, like I said, we may think, oh, we have it together. But if there's anyone who should have had it together, it would be who? The disciples, right? Disciples lived with Jesus. They saw Jesus. They walked with Jesus. They saw Him do miracles. They saw Him do all these great things. But even they had a problem with authority. In fact... They wanted to fight for position. They wanted to see who was to be the greatest, who could be the next person, who could be sitting next to Jesus. And this is what it says in Mark chapter 10, verse 35 to 45. It said this, And Jane and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. She just said to them, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? Stop there. Now, they're only asking for a seat, right? They're only asking for a seat, right? What is the seat they're asking for, though? On the side of Jesus, right? But what is, what is that? What is the significance of that? Be the right-hand man, the second-in-command, the person who wants to be there. How many of you want to sit next to your friend tonight? How many of y'all would want to say, I want to sit next to my friend? All right? Us, yeah, we want to sit. I, I mean, I want to sit next to my friend, my wife. I want, to, I want to sit there. That's just how it is, right? I can preach from there, right? No, that won't worry. No, but the reality is that they're asking something, and Jesus turns it back at them. He says to them, do you know what you're asking? 
Are you ready to drink the cup? What was Jesus getting ready to do soon? Does anyone know? He's getting ready to die, right? Die on a cross. He's like, are you ready for this? Or are you just looking at the position and you think to yourself, I want that. You see, being the boss is not an easy job. We sometimes think that being the boss is easy, and sometimes there are some people who are the boss who lead in different ways, who are a boss who just tell people what to do, but there are people who are a boss who lead by example. Which one would you say Jesus is? Was Jesus a boss who just, le- who just told people to do and did it, or was he a person who led by example? He led by example, right? He led by example. He wanted to show them. Verse 39. And he said to them, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. Verse 40. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it has been for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. So what's happening here? They're getting what? Upset, right? Like, what will make y'all, what make y'all think y'all better than us? Why y'all got to sit there and we don't get to sit there? Now, notice saying the ten, all right? Because let's be honest, someone else is there, right? Who else is there with them? Someone who's getting ready to what? Betray Jesus. Because we already talked to the two, right? Two plus ten is what? Twelve. How much disciple did Jesus have? Twelve. So here it is. This is going on. And the one that's getting ready to betray him is there as well. You see, we need to understand as we consider this that we got to be careful what we ask for. Verse 42. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who consider rules of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Verse 43. But it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you, you must be your servant. Again, I talked about how we have these two different leadership styles. We have the leadership style to say, this is what you do. You better do it now or else. Or Jesus is saying, look, this is how I want you to lead. you got to be a servant. you got to show people what you want them to do. Don't just tell them. Show them. Verse 44. And whoever would be first among you must be a slave of all. Last verse, verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Again, as we consider this, the boss came to this earth to serve people, to serve you and me by dying on the cross. You see, we need to understand that as we consider James and John, and for those who don't know, they were called sons of thunder. They were brave, they were bold, but often they also said some dumb things. Because they're asking for something that, like, what are you asking for? According to Judaism, the way to defeat the God of me. We defeat the God of me when we give up our seat. You see, we need to understand as we consider this, sometimes we have to recognize that we're not God. We need to say, you know what, God, I'm here, I'm here for you. 
You know, some of those gods in us is pride, one of the big ones. We're prideful people. We think we're better than we really are. We look at people sometimes and we think, you know what, I'm better than that person. But you know, we have to always give thanks for to the grace of God. Because even when we consider our country and sometimes, you know, we have things that are messed up, there are many places around the world that's way worse than us. But it gives us responsibility. So I want to ask you about this. You see, when you act selfishly, as we saw in Mark 10.35, when you speak arrogantly, as in Mark 10.37, when you respond defensively in Mark 10.39, how do you, what do you do? How do you, when someone comes to you, are you a person that is willing to show and point people to Christ no matter what? Are you a person that doesn't try to be like, you know what, I'm in charge. And you better do what I tell you to do, or else. Or do you show them? Do you show how to lead? Do you show how to be the boss? You see, the God of me isn't a God you want to serve. When you serve the God of me, you hurt yourself. You hurt others, and you miss out the kind of full, abundant life that God has designed for you. A life that only comes by serving him and him alone. You see, we need to put away all the other gods in our life and serve God. You know, for this upcoming week, I'm actually preaching in an 8 a.m. service. And one of the things that I'm looking at is just something with a phone. Do you know the average person in the United States looks at their phone 100 times a day? All right, just to do that. Just to look at it. That's the average. Some people look at it about 900 times a day. In this country now, we're trying to make a law where people can be on their phone in their car. Why do you think that? Cause a lot of accidents, but this has become a what? Distraction, an idol. Let me ask a question. And I, I'm one of those people. Do you all think you all could go a day without having your cell phone, without going on the internet, because you may have to do it now for school, all right? But let's be honest, if you had the freedom to go on it whenever you could, do you think that you could go and say, you know what, if I have the choice to do it, not that my parents are taken away, that I could really have the strong will to say, I won't look at my phone, I won't do it on my iPad. I would struggle. I'll be honest with you. I would struggle. Because sometimes my phone is, sometimes how I just forget about things in the world, forget about things that are happening, and I can just focus on other things. That's why we have to be very careful. That idols aren't just things that we bow down to in a sense of a, a golden object. And idols are anything that we put before God. And as we continue in this series, we're going to look at this. But I want to challenge you to whatever gods you have in your life. Would you give them to God and say, God, I want to give these over to you. Because I want to serve you 100%. I want to give you everything that I am. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. We thank you that you are the one true God. And we thank you that you are a forgiving God. We thank you that you are a God that loved us so much that you sent your son to die for us. And Father, even when we do dumb things, 
you still love us. And Father, I pray that you just continue to be honored in all that we do tonight. I pray that as we go into our small group time, that you would just help us. Help us to just again honor you in everything that we do. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.